In this episode, I discuss the final mixed state of the polyvagal theory, stillness. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist obsessed with the polyvagal theory. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. And before I get into things, please put yourself first. I do keep every episode as safe as I can, but just by the nature of the topics, you may experience some stuff come up, so take a break if you need to. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy, of course. And I do have many polyvagal resources for free on the website, justinlmft.com. Besides this podcast, besides the blog, there is a file share on the website with uh, some polyvagal downloadables and printables. Do what you will with them. Stillness. The final mixed state of the polyvagal theory is stillness. We already talked about freeze. We already talked about play. Freeze was the combination of having the shutdown state active along with the flight fight state. So the pathways, those biological pathways active. Play is the combination of the safe and social pathways active along with the flight fight pathways. So you're mobilized while safe. And stillness. Stillness is the combination of the safe and social pathways plus the shutdown pathways, and that equals stillness. So that's the ventral vagal and the dorsal vagal both active at the same time. In stillness, what's happening is that there is immobility while safe. So immobility without fear. It's it's being okay with being immobile. Might not sound like a big deal, but for many, it is It is uh, very difficult to be still, to be immobile, and to be okay with that. And we'll talk more about uh, what circumstances that can look like. But for now, we will do an exercise. And what I want you to do is to listen to these next two clips and ask yourself, listen inward, and ask yourself, which of these sounds is more likely to allow your body to be in stillness. I would encourage you to listen to these with your eyes closed so that you can really focus inwardly. If you're driving, don't do that, please. And take a deep breath. In through your nose, into your belly if you can. Breathe it out through your mouth slowly. Just recenter, and here is clip number one. And here is clip number two. So what did you notice between the two of those? Which of those was more likely to allow you to be still, to be immobile, but to feel okay about it? If you're like me, the first one, those sounds for me and possibly for you are cues of safety. They tell my system that I'm safe and that stillness then is more likely to be okay. Now, do all of us live with sounds of nature surrounding us? No, probably not. Probably not. But even through little exercises like this, um, it is possible to find these these sounds that might bring you to a state of safety or help you to access your ventral vagal pathways. These are things that you can find 
on YouTube or in audio album form of, of just nature sounds. Different apps have, you know, sounds of rainfall. I love rainfall personally. Have sounds of rainfall or sounds of nature. There are videos on YouTube that literally put it on and it'll, it'll go for like 10 hours of, of just nature. Yeah, we might not live in these places and have the natural sounds, but even having these artificial ones, I think, can help. When are we still, though? We are still, uh, probably more often than, than you realize, day-to-day, every time you use the restroom, you're being still, right? And if not, uh, it's probably, you're probably having a hard time. Otherwise, yeah, you're still when you're using the restroom. When you're physically intimate with somebody, when you're close with them, physically, you're being still. There, there can be stillness involved in that. Sitting in a classroom, ideally you're still. Kids don't always have the easiest time with that, but sitting in a classroom, you're, you're more likely to be still. Or how about when you're working at a desk? Right now I'm recording a podcast, I'm sitting at my desk staring at a screen, and uh, I'm still. I'm us- utilizing stillness right now. When you go to work, there's a good chance you sit at a desk staring at a screen and utilize stillness. But we also use stillness when we are meditating. You can do moving meditation as well, but the traditional just sort of, you know, sitting still kind of meditation. During yoga, yoga involves some stillness, right? Or how about uh, falling asleep, laying down to fall asleep? All of these require some level of stillness, which means they require some level of access to your safety pathways in order to be still and to be okay with it. When we're still, we're immobilizing, though. That's really the heart of this, is immobilizing with safety or without fear. Usually we talk about the shutdown state in terms of defense, the flight-fight state we talk about it in terms of defense. But really, when we say shutdown, really what we're saying is immobilization. When we say flight-fight, really we're saying mobilization. So if we take away the, the defensive context of it, of the word shutdown, and just call it immobilization, then we can see stillness as simply immobilization while having access to our safety pathways. Socialization during stillness is not extremely important, I don't think. It's more important that we are in a state of safety while immobile. But again, like I said before, stillness can be a challenge for many people who are stuck down their polyvagal ladder at some point. You Probably in a flight-fight energy. For those that are stuck in that sympathetic flight fight energy, being still is going to be a significant challenge. When we're still, we're accessing our ventral safety, but we're being still without fear or defense. When the safety pathways are active, it it basically prevents the feeling of fear or the feeling of defensiveness. It's essential that we have the ventral vagal safety pathways active in order to be still. Stillness, when we're in shutdown, it's different. I wouldn't call it stillness because when we're in shutdown, we are immobilized. We are moving less. In shutdown, the energy is is depleted. In shutdown, there's a lot of potentially rest. So shutdown and stillness both have immobilization, but it looks different. When we're in stillness, it's more than just immobilizing. Stillness requires the safety aspect of it, the safety activation. When we're in shutdown, yeah, we can be still and fall asleep, but there's almost too much of that, or there is potentially too much of that going on. We're oversleeping. 
I wouldn't then, I wouldn't call that stillness. Stillness, again, you have to have that safety activation along with it. Stillness allows for enough sleep. It allows for someone to fall asleep when they're ready to, and enough sleep. Shutdown can be too much sleep. There is uh, some difficulty in stillness, though. It's not easy for everybody. If you're stuck down the polyvagal ladder in a flight fight energy, then having too much of that is going to make it a lot more difficult to be still. I work in a school district, so this is something I see pretty darn frequently uh, with students that have a difficult time with being still in class, whether it's virtually or in person. My son, he's five, so his capacity to be still and be okay with it hour after hour is not all that great. When he was doing virtual learning here at home, he's back in person, uh, thankfully. He would be in front of a screen, but he would flip the chair over, sit on it upside down. He would lay on the floor and and do the screen. He would try to talk to the dog. So he kind of was anchored in the general area of the, the screen and his little table. But it's not like he was just sitting there, you know, hands clasped together, feet on the floor, butt in the chair for a few hours. No, that, that did not happen. I didn't expect it to happen either. I mean, he sat on the chair, like the chair was like sideways. It was upside down at one point. He, he sat in that chair every single way he could. The stillness was not possible for him for that long, at least. And I see that with the students that I'm surrounded by in the school district. It's very difficult for some of them to to be still. Falling asleep for someone who's more in their flight fight state, falling asleep, laying down and being still and, and you know which enables sleep is is a challenge when these individuals lay down that are more you know in their flight fight energy when they lay down to go to sleep they're going to feel anxiousness or irritability maybe their body is not prepared to be still their body is more pre- prepared to run away or to fight and hey again if you're like me sitting through a meeting is <laughs> is not always easy I find that I need uh, something to fidget with if I'm just sitting in a meeting, listen to policies or new procedures or new forms to fill out. I need something to fidget with. I need to draw. Drawing really helps me out. Just sitting there and listening to extremely dry material is difficult. Fidgeting can be a common result of someone who's having a, you know, a little bit, not too much, but a little bit or maybe a lot bit of difficulty sitting and being still. A feeling of antsiness and, uh, like I said, irritability or anxiousness. But it's, for me, it's like that antsiness, like, you know, like, let's kind of hurry up and speed things up. That's a story follow state kind of thing. Let's speed things up. We have to be able to immobilize while safe. That's really the heart of stillness. You, you can't be still without the immobilization with, with, and the safety. When you're in a flight fight energy, immobilization is not ideal. It's I mean, I guess it's technically possible with just a little bit of flight fight energy or even a lot. And then you're asked to immobilize and you try to, you know, sit through a meeting or sit through class. It's kind of possible, but I wouldn't call it stillness. That's kind of, that's more like fake it till you make it or just faking it. The body's prepared to run away or fight. When we're in flight fight energy, the body's prepared to run away or fight. So immobilizing while you're in that state would make absolutely no sense. If we were living out in the wild and we had to run away or fight from a danger, being still would 
lead to death, right? That would make no sense whatsoever. By the way, if you like what I'm doing here on the podcast, I think you'll love what I'm doing over on Patreon. On Patreon, I've got an entire other podcast. Mostly it's mini episodes, at least once per week. Usually I'm doing a couple things per week. I'm also doing live stream Q&As once a month on the last Saturday morning of every month, Pacific time. If you become a patron, you'll get access to the hours and hours and hours of content on the podcast. You'll get access to the upcoming Q&As. You'll get access to the prior Q&As. You get priority responses from me. You get priority questions answered. You have the option to communicate with others that are uh, patrons. And every now and then I'll, I might release something that I'm just kind of playing around with and I want to get some feedback on. You can visit my Patreon link in the description to become a member. And again, only five bucks a month for all that. When it comes to stillness and the difficulty in being still, the issue here is increasing access to your safety pathways in order to allow for stillness and allow and allow for immobilization while safe. This is the same as you know being in a defensive state of flight fight. We have to increase the amount of safety access that we have to in order to climb the political ladder and to not just be in the defensive state, but also have the safety pathways active, which when combined with the defensive state, will create a mixed state, will turn it, it'll repurpose that energy for something else. There might be some things that you have control over to allow for more feelings of safety. The environment might be a really good place to start for that. What sounds you hear, like I mentioned earlier, what sounds you hear might be an avenue for increasing safety. Typically, you'll hear the hum of lights or the refrigerator, traffic if it's close enough to you, the air conditioner, maybe construction going on around you or gardening equipment around the neighborhood. There's all kinds of noise and some of that we just don't have control over, right? My office in my home where I do my podcast recording is probably the most quiet or it is the most quiet spot in the house. I have these sound dampeners in the walls that really help out with that. But no matter how quiet it is in here, I can always hear the traffic on the freeway, which is obviously close enough for me to hear it. I can't control that. That's always going to be there, right? But maybe there is some level of control that you can have over the sounds of your environment. Like, do you want music or do you want silence? You, you can get as close as you can to silence. There are always going to be, I think, these ambient noises in the background unless you live in some place where you really can eliminate all those, which is, it's not easy. There was a time here where we had a really bad storm. The power went out for like a few days. I remember that first night of the storm, uh, laying down to go to sleep. It was just pitch black because all the lights were off, you know, in the house and the neighborhood. But there was no noise. And I was very, in one sense, unsettled by the silence, but also really comforted by it. It was a very peaceful kind of quiet, very comforting. Shocking because it was different. It was very different. But also it kind of felt like this is the way things should be. So you might not be able to get to perfectly quiet. It's, I don't think any of us really can. But you might be able to have some control over the music in your home. The music that are, that's playing in your earbuds. You might be able to set yourself up before bedtime for some sounds that might be more likely to help you feel safe. Like I mentioned earlier, the sounds of rainfall. And even though it's artificial, I think it's better than nothing. If you're going to yoga or a massage or you're doing a meditation thing for yourself, you can set yourself up with music that might help you to feel safe. Or it's just sounds, again, sounds 
in order to be still to allow these things, to allow yourself to, to get through these things with hopefully more safety. There's something I listen to when I'm working, when I'm doing, I do a lot of busy work, just like filling out paperwork and pro- writing progress notes. And when I do that, it's, it's hard for me to just focus and do that hour after hour. I listen to something called Chill Hop. I'll go onto YouTube or on my Apple phone. I'll uh, go to the uh, Apple Music app. And I'll just listen. I'll look up something called Chill Hop. And there's no lyrics. It's just a beat with some really cool sounds. I I specifically like lo-fi Chill Hop. And that allows me to be still, but also the beat uh, keeps me in a playful kind of energy at the same time. So I'm able to sit there and work and be okay with it. Something else you might be able to control is the lighting around you. You might be able to control how dim things are, how bright things are. When I'm at work in my office, I have these awful fluorescent lights right above me. I can't control that. They create this hum. I can hear the hum. They, they create this like bright white light that fills up the room. I can turn it off, but then that's kind of creepy to be have your life lights off at work. It doesn't seem right. I can't control that, right? But maybe in your space at home or just in some sort of space that you have that feels safer than others, maybe you can control the amount of light that's in there. In my office at home, I have the one light in the ceiling that is pretty bright, but I also have a few smaller lights that I typically have on because I like dimmer light. Something else that might help out is having enough space. I personally, I need a lot of leg room, so I try to set myself up with, a, with an adequate amount of space. But even like visual space, so having a window open, that can feel like uh, more spacious. Opening up the blinds, leaving a door open, giving yourself leg room if you need it. Those things can feel like spaces being opened. But at the same time, if you're going to sleep, maybe you want to close things up. Maybe that, that might help you to feel more safe. So be curious about what types of pieces of the environment around you you can control. There probably is something there that you can tweak that can help you with feeling more safe. But also internally, make sure you're well-rested enough, make sure you're eating healthy enough and eating enough, I guess. Whatever that looks like for you. Make sure you're taking care of yourself internally as well. So those basic self-care pieces, that might help increase uh, your feelings of safety. Manipulating the environment might help you to feel more safety. If you have somebody in the home that you can connect with, share a hug, share a smile, that might help you to access enough safety in order to be still and to maybe go to sleep if if that's the thing you're having trouble with. And with that, we are wrapping up stillness. We have covered the three basic states of the polyvagal theory, the three primary states. We've covered the three mixed states of the polyvagal theory. We've covered autonomic nervous system, neuroception, story fall state, the polyvagal ladder. We have covered a lot. In the next episode, we are going to be talking about trauma. We're going to talk about what it is, what the heck it has to do with the polyvagal theory, what it has to do with being stuck, how to get unstuck maybe. We'll do a deep, deep dive into trauma. Don't miss that one. Otherwise, I I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please give my Patreon a shot. It's only five bucks a month. It's a direct support for me and what I'm doing here. And you get a whole other podcast. You get access to exclusive live, live streams. But I do hope you've learned something from this episode to help you climb your own political ladder. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you're experiencing mental health symptoms.
Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com. Wow, the more I read that, it feels like the faster I'm getting. I feel like I sound like one of those uh, you know, people in the ads that read this disclaimer really fast. Anyhow.